Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, Ethan here. Uh, welcome to the 15th episode of the Blue Note Podcast and the Believe Network. Uh, solo episode for me today. Mike will not be joining me for this, but I presume he will be back after uh, the next or for the next one, episode 16. He should be back. We should be able to review what the Blues made, uh, moves they made in the offseason, whether it's free agency or trades, which is coming up this week, which is why I'm doing this episode here, episode 15, July 12th is the day that this will be uploaded and uh, lots to cover because free agency period opens July 13th on Wednesday of this week. Um, it's a, some, a story just came out about the blues uh, before I started recording. So we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, before, we, before I get into it, I'd like to thank all the listeners. Remind to hit that subscribe button, uh, whatever you want to do, five-star rating. If you love what we're doing, comment, uh, you know, get involved with the conversation on Twitter at TBN pod. You can follow our podcast, Twitter, share it on uh, social media as well. So other blues fans can find us. And uh, that's what we'll do here. So uh, I'm not going to touch too much on the central division. I will touch lightly on it. Uh, and what we're seeing, let's say in Chicago, where things have kind of intensified in terms of that rebuild, we covered the Debrinket trade a little bit live during our reaction to the blues pick in episode 14 um, the doc trade as well. It certainly looks like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are on their way out as well. So we'll see what happens. It seems like Seth Jones is going to be by himself as the Blackhawks are, you know, blatantly and absolutely tanking uh, for Connor Bedard in the 2023 draft. So that's what's going on in Chicago. You look at Arizona, you have uh, their draft picks. They take Logan Cooley third overall. They pick up Zach Cassian on a salary cap dump from Edmonton so it's kind of a situation for Arizona where they're going to be somewhat hard to play against for a bad team with the sandpaper they have on in their forward group so we'll see what happens there's still lots to do in Arizona I'm sure of this offseason for our old friend Bill Armstrong uh, who's with the Blues for a long time uh, just quickly touch on Colorado eight-year extension for Valer, uh, Valerie Nachuskin so he gets an eight-year extension 6.5 a year I believe it's 49 overall so I don't know the exact numbers there. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. I don't think that's a great contract. I don't think it's going to age well. He had one really, really good season. I think he'll be good in Colorado, but that's a tough eight years for a player that's not a star or of that caliber. I think is a, is a pretty tough deal. But the Blues know about that because they gave Pareko eight years. So uh, there you go. Um, they gave uh, Falk eight years as well. He's actually good, though. Uh, so I think that's just about it in the Central Division in terms of what, what we're covering um, in today's episode. But let's move on. Let's look at some Blues updates. Uh, before I get into a couple things, let's touch on the recent story, which is uh, from Frank Saravalli, who tweeted this 20 or 30 minutes before I um, 
before I started recording, I'm, I'm losing track. Uh, here's what Frank Saravalli had to say about David Perron. He said, hearing David Perron plans to go on uh, the market on Wednesday, lines of communication remain open with the St. Louis Blues and talks have been cordial, but I'm told STL doesn't have the cap space to make a proper offer at this time. So let's think about this for a sec. The Blues have about $9 million in cap space right now. Plus, you'll have Torchenko's space as he will likely begin the season on LTIR. So, I think this comes down to two things. I'm going to give credit to Stephen Ground of the Two Guys One Cup podcast, another great Blues podcast, who tweeted this. Either they're trying to do something bigger or Perron is going to get way more than I thought. That's what Steven said on Twitter. I think that's a good thing to talk about here. It's, it's really interesting because Perron is, by all accounts, and we know this as Blues fans, watching him for many years, whether it's when he left or came back, very good player. He's also 34 years old. So I'm wondering if Perron is more worried about getting a higher salary cap hit or just a higher salary over term or is term the holdup here? I think that the cap hit is the holdup between him and the Blues. I, I, I feel like I would lean towards, based on what Steven tweeted there, I think the Blues are trying to do something bigger. That's what I lean towards because you could – I mean, Perron's not going to get more than, what, six, six and a half? I don't think he's going to get more than that. I'd be pretty surprised if he got seven uh, because I think a team that would do something like that would be like in Ottawa, but they just brought in DeBrinckit, and he's going to have a huge extension as well. So um, I think the Blues may be trying to do something bigger. I think that they could be targeting a different forward in, in Frazier or trade market. Uh, you look at defensemen on the trade market. Provorov's making 6.5. That's the number one target, in my opinion. He's making 6.5. So um, I would kind of lean towards the Blues trying to do something bigger than um, than re-signing Perron. It's, um, I, don't, I don't understand it. Uh, it could be a little bit of both. I think uh, Jeremy Rutherford also tweeted, unless the Blues make a move before Wednesday and free up cap space, it would seem likely that Perron would be signing elsewhere. To be clear, that's if the Blues want to clear space for Perron. There's no indication that they want to do that. So I think another thing about this is next year's salary cap um, hit. You got Thomas and Kyru to resign. You have to extend O'Reilly, in my opinion. That's been talked about for a while now. Those are things you got to get done. So you do have to think about next year's salary cap space. I think that could be a huge factor here as well in these three different kind of things going on. Um. I'm not sure. I, I think I think what the Blues are going to do is you would think moving out Scandella would be one of the first moves to make in terms of making calorie, uh, calorie. I mean, I'm going to say salary cap so much that it's going to start getting like that. But uh, just to get some salary space, cap, cap space, I should just say cap space. Why don't I just say cap space? It's very easy. Uh, so I think that's something they got to do. The Scandella thing, you got to move on from him. It, it's enough. That gets you to what, like 11? Because you're probably going to retain some as well on him. Um, so the Perron thing sucks because I don't want to see him leave again. I think the Blues can get away with letting him walk. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much he's going to get, I think, is the big factor here. So maybe six, six and a half, like I said, that seems like that's about the number. Um, it's just it, – I. 
it feels like when you have this much cap space that that wouldn't be the only issue here. Like, it's not like they have like three million. And I know, like I said, next year is a factor, but you look at next year's cap space right now. Okay, Tarasenko is coming off the books. That's seven and a half. He could be traded this summer as well. That's seven and a half million right there. So that gets you some cap space. Barbashev 2.25. I don't see him re-signing if he has another big season. He'll probably get a lot of money on the open market. Uh, and that's it in terms of that. So I feel like if you if you look at where they're at in terms of cap space next year, they're in a good spot to re-sign Thomas and Kyrie. You would think the bridge deals of some sort if they're not long-term. And you would think um, O'Reilly as well could take a little bit less to stay since it seems like he's you know, quite pleased with, uh, with where he's at. Um, so I don't really want to calculate how much space they'll have as of right now going into next year. But if you look at the books, you have 2.25 plus 7.5. So that's 9.75 coming off of the books from Barbashev and Tarasenko, which puts you over 18. So let's think, let's say Thomas and Kyrou both get what? Six or seven mil on a bridge deal. That's 14 if it's seven. And then O'Reilly, yeah, I mean, that's tough. Scandella's got to go as well. That's 3.275 right there. I would think by next year at this point, we could see a Tory Krug deal be done to get 6.5 off the books. Um, I would also think that you maybe view just the market on somebody else. I don't know who that would be, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see how the blues handle this. Cause obviously losing Perron would be brutal for the franchise, losing him again, but they got to have a backup plan. I, I don't think you can lose Perron for nothing and then keep Tarasenko and lose him for nothing next year. I think that would be worst case scenario for Doug Armstrong. So I think if you let Perron walk, you got to figure out how to fill that void and I think he'd still have to trade Tarasenko. If he wants traded, just trade him because losing him next year for nothing is not going to be worth it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens on the Perron front. But right now it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like the Blues are going to be keeping David Perron around. But we'll see. By the time our next episode happens, I'm sure we'll, we'll know more about that. Um, all right. We touched on this a little bit in the last episode during the reaction. But uh, the Blues did trade Billy Huso's rights to Detroit for a third round pick that was the 73rd overall pick the blues selected Alex Santeri Kaskamaki with that draft pick a center uh from Finland in the uh HIFK he'll be playing in the Finnish Elite League next season I uh, wrote a little bit about him Mike also wrote on um Mike also wrote on the hockey writers his uh, deep dive so I'm going to pull that up real quick give you a little bit of a taste of what Kaskamaki's game is about um, so, uh, from DauberProspects.com, he's a gifted offensive center with strong skating and stick handling needs to improve his defensive game and on puck habits, but could be a top six producer at the NHL level. So you get a guy like that with the 73rd pick and getting a free pick for Billy Huso, who you were probably not going to resign in most situations. Um, it's, it's, it's nice. I think Kaskamaki is a good pick. I like what the Blues did at 73 and 88. Bushinger, uh, the defenseman from the Guelph Storm of the OHL, has the potential to be an NHLer as well. Um, I mean, other than that, the draft was, I think it was good for the Blues. Pretty much a run in the middle draft and what you expect from Doug Armstrong and his crew. All right, let's get into a little bit more Huso stuff here. This is per Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. 
Goaltender Billy Huso knew that he could get paid more if he left the Blues, but it wasn't the only reason why the pending UFA decided to leave St. Louis and sign a three-year, $14.25 million contract with Detroit on Friday. The five years remaining on Jordan Bennington's six-year, $36 million contract was also a factor. Huso himself said, I'm 27 right now, I'm moving on. Hopefully I will play at a good level next year too, and I want to play even more games. Um, he said this on Sunday. I think the timing and Benner's contract with the Blues and it all comes together and we thought it would be a good move to go somewhere else. I think that's all well and good. I think we knew this was probably happening with Huso. I think it's a good move for him get to go to Detroit. They now have him and Nadelkovich as their one-two punch, so we'll see how that works. But you always trust Steve Eiserman if you're Detroit. Uh, so Bennington is now back as the Blues' clear-cut starter and the club will be looking for a backup. They have a legitimate interest in Charlie Lindgren who's spent the past year with the organization and appears to be the one they have their sights set on. Now, I still think going into the open market and finding a, a goaltender is the right option. Um, I don't think you can throw Lindgren into this by himself without having somebody else there as well. Uh, it was a very short sample size. Yes, he was very good last season, but it was five games. So that's that stuff. Um, but Brayden Holpe is a guy I always mentioned about this. Doesn't look like he might, he might be done. Injuries might have killed his career, so he could be done. Uh, but you look elsewhere, I think backup goaltending, there will be some guys in the market that you look at. I think Ilya Samsonov, who had a rough year with the Capitals last year, but has always been a high potential goaltender. Him at 25 could make a lot of sense. Um, I think if you're looking for a veteran, Thomas Grice, wouldn't be too bad. Uh, not much else in the market that excites me by looking at this list. I mean, Martin Jones is a hard no from me. Capo uh, Kakinen is an RFA. That's San Jose. Uh, yeah, I mean, Eric Comrie maybe had a good year for, for Winnipeg last season. It's tough. It's a tough market uh, out there. But I think my number one choice at this point, if you don't bring back Yaro Halak, which I guess isn't out of the realm of possibility, is probably Ilya Samsonov, who, if teams aren't that interested in the Blues could swoop in and get him at a nice number. He's 25. He's always been high potential. So, yeah, the backup goaltending is going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I don't think it's – I don't think Lindgren's going to be the guy, but maybe. Um, so, Lindgren's agent said Sunday that Lindgren is seeking a one-way deal, meaning he would – be paid the minimum NHL salary of 750000 Even if you were assigned to the AHL last year, he made 750000 in St. Louis and 300000 in the minors in Springfield. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, it's, it's really, I mean, we'll see with Lindgren. It's tough because I, like I said, the, the overall, um, sample size for Lindgren was so small that I don't really see how you can justify just going with him blindly. I think you got to look into the market. So I think the blues will do that. I think that'll be an interesting part of this. Um, no doubt about it to me and we'll see what they do. So uh, let's move along here. Let's look at the draft real quick. Like I said, who the blues drafted, I did mention, I'll mention it again here soon in a moment about who the blues drafted. But before the draft, we did our little targets, uh, for the Blues, and we're going to look at where those guys went as I'm about to sneeze, so that'll be good for the episode. Um, I might just do it live on the air. 
Anyway, all right, my first target was Seamus Casey, who actually uh, did not go in the first round. He went 46th overall to the New Jersey Devils. Casey to the Devils at 46, a guy that I liked a lot. Yager Furcus went 35th to the Kraken, so that's two guys they could have had. Another one is Isaac Howard, who I had. He went 31st to Tampa, another guy they could have had. One they couldn't have had is Leon Bichel, who went 18th to the Dallas Stars, big defenseman there. Uh, for Mike's targets, he had Owen Pickering, who went 21st to Pittsburgh. So right before him, he had Rutger McGroarty, who went 14th to Winnipeg. He had Yuri Kulich, who went 28th to Buffalo, and Philip Messar, who went 26th to Montreal. So Blues could add most of those targets. They did not do so. And what can you do? Uh, because they drafted uh, Jimmy Snuggerud in the first round with the 23rd pick. And then in the third round, they had two picks. They had Alex and Terry Kaskamaki, who I already touched on, and Michael Bushinger, who I already touched on as well. A couple of good, real solid picks in the third round, in my view. If you don't have a second-round pick and you can get those two guys in the third round, I like it a lot. Um, fourth round, they took Arseny Koromislav. I don't know how that's pronounced. That's a defenseman. In the fifth round, I took Marc-Andre Gaudet. That's another defenseman. And then in the sixth round, they took Landon Sim, who's a right-winger from the London Knights of the OHL. So. Top half of the draft, first three picks I like a lot. Second three I don't know much about, I'll be honest. Um, I did a deep dive on Landon Sam on the HockeyWriters.com. There's not a lot about him other than he models his game after Brendan Gallagher. So the type of player that you hate to play against but you like to have on your team. So we'll see. And his, his father won a uh, cup with the Dallas Stars in 1999, John Sim. And uh, he's a part-time amateur scout with the St. Louis Blues right now. And speaking of which, before I touch on a couple other things with the draft, the Blues did make a couple of uh, changes today to the coaching staff. So, or I guess the uh, front office staff, I should say, not the coaching staff. Excuse me. So, what they did, let me find it here, folks. Didn't have it ready. Um, they announced that Scott Mellenby will be joining as a, a senior advisor to the GM. Played four seasons with the Blues in his career. They also announced Tim Taylor as the director of player personnel. Bobby Kinsella named full-time amateur scout, uh, amateur scout in the U.S. Tommy Sojin, Sojin, I don't know. What, what do I know? Named pro scout in Euro. And, and uh, Chris Thorburn, how about that? Named player development coach as well. So great to see Thorbs back in the organization for the Blues. Uh, so there was the moves there. We also had a fan vote grading the draft. 70 votes total, 67% voted B for the Blues draft, 17% C, 13% A, and 3% a D. So I kind of lean towards the, the B being the right number there, or the right letter there, I should, I should say. I think a B is a solid grade for this draft. Nothing too flashy, but I, I like I said, I really like the first three picks, and I just don't know enough about the second three. So I think it was a solid draft, which is about what you expect you're going to almost find somebody in every single one with um, with what am I even, I'm losing my train of thought at a rapid rate. Uh, but that's what you expect with Doug Armstrong, a solid draft every time. So there you go. All right, before we're out of here, let's do free agency preview. Go a little bit around the NHL for this. The biggest names hitting the market tomorrow. The biggest names. It's, it's quite the list, let me tell you. Johnny Gaudreau, likely to be a free agent, had 115 points last season. 
Nazem Kadri, you guys all know him well, had 87 points last season. He'll hit the market. Claude Giroux, who it seems like he'll likely be back in Florida, hitting the market. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, you know he's going to re-sign in Boston, so that'll happen. You have uh, Andre Burakovsky, I think is the first name on this list where I say maybe the Blues could sign him at 61 points in 80 games for the Avs last year. I think that's a possible signing by the Blues. They took uh, Saad from the Avs last year. Maybe they do it again with Burakovsky this time, throw him on the wing to replace Perron if you if you have to. He's 27 years old, so seven years younger. Uh, a couple other names, Ryan Strom and Andrew Kopp, both from the Rangers hitting the market. Phil Kessel hitting the market, that's a no for me. Uh, Vincent Trocek, I think he's a guy that returns to Carolina. He's hitting the market. Dylan Strom from Chicago. If you're going to put him on the wing, sure, but they're not. the Blues are not going to sign him. Uh, Mason Marchment would be a nice pickup there for what he does. 47 points in 54 games last season. Had a really, really good season for Florida, and uh, he could be a great pickup there. Evgeny Malkin, not happening, so just don't even consider or think about that. Um, also going to have Max Domi, Evander Kane, Riley Smith. I think a lot of these guys are going to be eventually returning to their own teams that they're already on, but um, I find it very interesting. I think this is going to be – a very interesting free agency uh, market. And I, I think the biggest thing here is what happens with the top guys. Like that's always something you think about is what's going to happen with the, the cream of the crop of the market. But Goudreau's interesting because I've kind of always thought the Islanders, I think it's going to be an East Coast team if he doesn't go back to Calgary no matter what, whether it's Philadelphia, the Islanders, or the Devils. I lean Islanders here. I think the Islanders are going to try to make a move and get Goudreau on Barzell's wing. So I think that would make a lot of sense. Remember, the Islanders were very heavy on our Timmy Panarin before he decided to go to the Rangers. So they try it again. Now, I personally think as good as Goudreau is, I favor Panarin a little bit over him. The production for Goudreau last year was off the charts. 75 assists in 82 games and 40 goals is as legit as it gets. But how often are you going to see Goudreau play all 82 games? That's got to be a concern. I know he did it last season. I know him and Kachuk both did it. But I think the Islanders are going to be a team that's heavy on Goudreau. So you heard it here first, but you probably didn't hear, hear it here first because it's been on Twitter a lot. Anyway, from a Blues perspective, when looking at the defensive market, which is where they have to look first, I know they're likely to lose Perron, but you got to look at the defensive market first. And it's not great. I think a trade a trade's going to be the move if you're the Blues to find defense. And my number one option this entire time has always been um, Ivan Provorov from Philadelphia. But you look at the defensive market, it's got to be left side, okay? You have Ben Sherratt, which I'm good on that. I'm not really interested in giving him a, a contract. Nick Letty, does he come back? I'm leaning towards no, but I wouldn't be stunned if he did, but I'm leaning towards no. Uh, Nikita Zadorov is a player that a lot of Blues fans have been talking about and they like, and I'm just out on it. Like, I'm not – I don't think Zadorov is good enough to give that much money to that he's going to get, likely on the open market for a team that's even more desperate and a team with more cap space. I don't think the Blues should do this Zadorov deal – uh, he'd be a good third-pairing guy with Bortuzzo, but not for the money that he's going to get, which is probably going to be what? I mean, he made 3.75 last season, had a good year in Calgary, probably going to make four. So I'm, I'm so out on that. 
giving Zadorov anything more than 2.5 is ridiculous. So I really hope the Blues avoid that. Uh, Ian Cole, who had a solid season last year for Carolina, won't be overly expensive. Could he come back to St. Louis? I mean, that's – I wouldn't say that's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, Ian Cole returning. After that, it, it kind of becomes difficult to see what happens – on the left side defensively for the blues and free agency, because I mean, Mark Stahl, 35 years old. I'm, I'm good on that. Um, Zdeno Chara is done. So that's, that's probably a no. So yeah. And Mikkel is an RFA. So they still got to figure that out as well. I suppose uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the blues do left side. So that's the first priority in free agency for the Blues. If you look at forwards, like I said, I think Burakovsky would be a great replacement for Perron if his next contract isn't outrageous. Uh, elsewhere to kind of fill the void that Perron's likely to leave, I think you look at, you know, some some lower tier options to where you can still give Jake Neighbor some quality minutes and uh, maybe move somebody like Ivan Barbashev up if you keep Tarasenko, I suppose. Um, I think... Riley Smith would be a nice pickup if he doesn't resign in Vegas, which it seems like he probably will. I think Ricard Raquel would be a nice pickup. Uh, Nino Niederreiter would be a nice pickup. Andre Palat from Tampa would be a good pickup. So there's plenty of forward options out there for the Blues if they need to replace Perron, which it seems like they will if they don't do so via the trade market. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm very interested to see how the Blues approach this because I think you got to look defense first and then after that, I don't know what you do. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I'll have an article coming out with a few free agent targets. Probably mentioned all of them in this uh, episode today. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. We'll see. Try to preview it for you. See what the Blues can do. It's going to be a very interesting week for the St. Louis Blues and how they – there could be organizational shifting with Tarasenko possibly being on the move. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So we'll see you next time on episode 16 of the Blue Note Podcast, the Believe Network. You can follow my Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow our podcast Twitter account at TBN Pod. And I'll give Mike a little shout out here as well. He's got a new Twitter handle to uh, up the professionalism a little bit on Twitter. M underscore Meyer three. That's M-E-Y-E-R three is his new Twitter handle. So you can check him out there and we'll see you at the end of this week or the beginning of next week to uh, talk about what the Blues did in the offseason. It's a big week in the NHL. Everybody rest up, get ready to go for Wednesday. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Believe Network, the Blue Note Podcast, episode 16, coming later on in the week. Or next week, we don't know. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.